Hello, friends. I don't think there has ever been a time that we haven't gotten excited to take the opportunity to promote free finishers in this industry that have done exceptional work. That's really one of the main purposes of this podcast. Well, today we get to chat with the winners of our fall 2020 quarterly contest, Zebra Collective. We find out how they artfully transform their pieces into winning showstoppers, and then we'll transition into a panel discussion with all three of them on the topic of finding inspiration to keep it fresh. I love this topic, don't you? I mean, who isn't looking for ways to keep their art talents exciting and new? Join us today for a great show with a few of your refinishing friends. This is Zebra's Before and After. I'm your podcast host, Lane Ball. Before we dive into our discussion with our winners, we want to recognize the judges. Courtney with Steel Birch Studios, Susie with The White Plum, Sarah with Olive and Fern, Jeannie with Blush Vintage, and Emily with 1379 Design. Thank you, judges. Very difficult job, but once again, you picked great pieces. We also want to thank our prize sponsors. We had a tremendous bundle of gifts to offer the winners this quarter. The Chippy Barn, Redesign with Prima, Weather Wash, Surf Prep Sanding, and of course, Zebra Paintbrushes. Again, thanks sponsors. Tremendous gifts. Listeners, if you are able to check out these pieces while you listen to the podcast, they are featured on our podcast page for you to enjoy. Just go to thezebrablog.com and click on the podcast. Now let's chat with the winners. We have Aaron with Ainsley L. and Pierce taking first place, Danielle with Soulful Collections clinching second place, and Susan with Little Lou Designs securing third place. Congratulations to all three of you. Thank you, Lane. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's an incredible accomplishment. There were tons of beautiful entries, so you should feel good about uh, your wins. Okay, it's time for our location check-in and weather reports. Aaron, let's start with you. Where are you located? <laughs> I'm in Twin Falls, Idaho, so uh, southern central Idaho, just above Utah and Nevada. Um, today yeah. is one of our warmest days this month. We're going to be almost 60 degrees, um, which is a wonderful surprise moving from Wisconsin just a few months ago. Avoided <laughs> the nice harsh winters just in time. Yeah, you're not going to know how to handle that, are you? <laughs> no, we're not. We can always drive up to the mountains, though, and get some snow. Hey, so so you just moved there to Twin Falls. Uh, it'd be interesting to know, you know, maybe you haven't done your research, you already know. Do you know anything about Twin Falls? I mean, what is Twin Falls known for? Um, we have the Shoshone Falls. It's actually about a mile from our house. Um, wow. The water that comes through it is actually comparable to Niagara. Um, it's quite the sightseeing. So it's a big tourist attraction for that. But um, we're also surrounded by mountains on all three sides. We have the sawtooths around us. Man, you're never going to be bored there. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not yet, I should say. <laughs> now, is that also where Snake River Canyon is? Yep, the Shoshone Falls is the Snake River, and it runs right oh, through okay, here. Got it. Yep. Oh, that's that's so cool. Now, I remember when I was a kid, and hearing about uh, Daredevil, Evil Knievel. Does that guy? Does that yes, name ring a bell? Yes, the jump is actually it? about a half a mile from our house. We took the kids on a no little way. tour down there. Yeah, they still have is the it? ramp. <laughs> wow. That's oh, cool. That is, that oh, is, my, yeah. my son got a big kick out of that. Um, there's a big sign telling a bunch of information about how many bones he broke, and he actually didn't make the jump across. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading about that. I mean, he, he something with his parachute, I think, went off too early. Too early, yes. Uh, Otherwise, yeah. he, I, I can't see him making it from the size of the ramp and the size <laughs> of the canyon, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I, I think I remember reading, too, that it was like, it was like several, I mean, like over 1,600 feet wide, I think, which is like, how in the world could he right. like actually make that? You the know? logistics I mean, of it, like looking at the ramp with the canyon, <laughs> like I don't see how that ever would have worked, but he can go ahead and blame it on the parachute. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, at least he glided down to safely uh, safety right. in the canyon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, my. Well, that's really cool. And so you said you're just, you're pretty close to where he, where that ramp was. Yes, it's actually on the same road if you keep going towards the towards the falls and towards the canyon. <laughs> oh wow. That is that's uh that is awesome. So Danielle, you live in Grand Junction, Colorado. Hi Lane. Yep, I do. I'm on the western part of Colorado. We are right by the Utah border, so we get the best of mountains and the best of uh, canyonlands in Utah. So yeah. we kind of have desert and mountain, which is great. Um, our little town is in 
a junction as it's, you know, Grand Junction. And we have the Colorado mm-hmm. River that flows right through it. So we have a lot of outdoor outdoor activities year round and it's a great place to be. Yeah. Now, when you and I chatted uh, maybe a month or so ago. Yeah. And yeah, you, you guys had a lot of smoke from the fires. I mean, uh, we making did. assumptions here, is that is that all cleared up now? We're cleared out. Um, we thought we had the largest fire where we're from, but it actually moved up by Denver area and now claimed to be the largest fire in Colorado history. So, um, yeah, we've wow. just been having a huge fire season. Um, it's burned up almost half of our state, which is horrible, but mm-hmm. they've um, got it under control now. And so we're getting yeah. into the moisture part of, you know, wintertime, which will help out too. Yeah. So. Yeah, we've lost, we actually have lost a lot of land where we're from, and we've taken our um, toy hauler up there just to kind of see what damage has been done to the forest. My boyfriend hunts up there, and so it's just devastating to see how much of the landscape has been burned up just from that, so. Yeah, yeah, that's hard to see that, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. Your area is considered um, wine country, I think? It is, yeah. Yeah, you've you've got so much. I mean, just from because it's beautiful to see just the scenery of not only where you're located and the terrain, but also the grapes and and that's just such a beautiful scene. Yeah, you wouldn't think that Colorado would be known for its wine, but we actually live in an area. Um, there's a town that's kind of a suburb of Grand Junction called Palisade, and they have some of the best wines um, in the whole state of Colorado and actually on the West Coast. So um, one of our feature wines that we have out here is actually a peach wine. We're known for our peaches. They're almost as good as Mm. the Georgia peach. But uh, yeah, wine is a big, big deal out here. It brings a lot of tourism to our area. Yeah. So what kind of weather are you enjoying today? Well, we're supposed to have 60 degree weather. I'm hoping it's supposed to get kind of nasty this weekend. So the rest of the week is supposed to be pretty nice. Um, Colorado is so variable with its weather that one week it might be snowing and the next week it's going to be great. So this week's supposed to be okay. Yeah. Well, that's nice. You take it a day at a time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, very good. Susan, Massachusetts. Now we're going all the way to the East Coast. (laughs) We are very well spread out. (laughs) That's right. That's good. I like that representation. So uh, what's going on up in uh, Westford, I think? Yes, Westford. Um, It's cool. It's 45 degrees out today, but no snow, barely any sun. It's kind of an average day out there. Yeah, so you you guys have had, um, you've had really more, you've had more of a milder fall, haven't you? We have, although we've already had um, our first snowfall a couple of weeks ago. But it's all, all gone already, but about two, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. we accumulated some pretty good snow. It was a bit early and a, a surprise, but um, yep, so the snow has come. And then I think a week or so later, it was 70 degrees out. So it's yeah. crazy New England weather. Yeah, that, that, that that's the kind of snow that we have here in the south. It's It's one of those situations where it snows. But it doesn't hang around long because usually the weather, you know, the temperatures climb up a little bit, melt it, and clear it out. And then you're like, did we have snow last week? <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that. Coming from Michigan, I remember when I was a kid growing up in Michigan that you, once you saw the snow, it was there to stay until spring, you know, and it would get dirty along the side of the road and <laughs> piled high, you know. <laughs> so it's nice to see it, but then it's nice to see it go. Well, there was enough snow out there for the kids to go out and play, although my son right now is in a wheelchair and non weight bearing with another cast on his leg. So he wasn't able to enjoy it. But Oh, darn um, it. I know. <laughs> so we just look at it through the window. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of kids wrote that day and the next day playing in the snow. It was a good amount. And then, yes, it has since disappeared because of that, the, the warm days we've had. Well, here in North Carolina, it's absolutely beautiful. It's the upper 50s, 11 mile per hour winds out of the west, northwest, 30% humidity and sunshine. How was that for detail? Well, nice. <laughs> I'm trying to develop my weather skills, you know, to t- kind of like take them to the next level, you know. All that job. I don't know how this resonates with everybody, but they may be like, you know what, just get on with the furniture discussion. 
No, we're, we're enjoying this weather like you guys are, especially when you stop and think about it's November and it's not just the first part of November where, I mean, next week is like, you know, Thanksgiving. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly when this will air, but when we're recording it, it's like right before Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, let's discuss your winning pieces. Susan, we'll start with you. Um, you stated that you have fallen in love with faux bamboo style furniture and this dresser that you won third place in was one of a four piece set, I believe. I think it was a seven piece set. Wow. <laughs> I was, I accumulated the pieces over probably a year and a half. Um, just sitting in my garage waiting for the right moment to start them. And then a friend of mine just purchased a new house down at the Cape. And so she reached out to me and said, what do you have? Do you have anything that would work for a Cape house? I need to, you know, furnish the entire house. I said, Oh, I have the perfect thing. So I showed her all my pieces and she said, sold, I'll buy all of them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which was awesome, but it took a long time obviously to get them completed. But yes, this was one of the seven piece set, I, I believe. So I did them all the same, obviously, because they were for her, you know, house. She wanted them to go together. So it was fun to do the set, but I was also happy to see it go so I can start working on some new styles other than the same white paint and knobs. So did you do the whole set in the same, because was it in one room? Did you do it all the same colors, same hardware, that sort of thing? Yes. So I think she's putting them in two rooms, I believe, Um, but it it was perfect for her cape house, which is great because it does have, you know, it's that bamboo um, style, which I think uh-huh. was really is or was really popular down south. So when more in Florida, it's really hard to find up here. So when you find a piece, for me, it's like gold because they are um, coveted pieces and they're still, even in bad condition, uh-huh. worth a lot of money, which just blows my mind. So there are different... Um, Thomasville is one of the brands that has this faux bamboo piece. And then Hen- the most um, coveted piece is the Henry Link Valley High, I believe. And that's what you see a lot of in Florida. Um, typically finished with a um, lacquer, which mm-hmm. I don't do, but she was fine with me not doing that. And then I have a couple other pieces that were a little bit lower quality, but they were, um, I guess, copycats. So we, her set was mixed with all of the pieces, but they all, you know, they match beautifully. Um, so I had, I had a lot of fun with them, a lot of sanding, a lot of repair work. Um, some of the knobs that I that I used fit perfectly in a couple of the pieces and others I had to fill, sand, redrill, which is okay, which is fine. It was interesting because I, you know, hope folks can look at the before. It's always fun to see the before of a piece and see, you know, how much transformation took place in this piece. The before was pretty rough. I mean, it, it was. <laughs> I actually got that one free. Then people said, just come and take it. We want to get rid of it. It was a great... <laughs> I think the grandmother's house and her granddaughter, teenage granddaughter, was living with her. And that was her bureau that the daughter had painted on her own with, you know, some black paint. Uh (laughs) Um, Lost a few of the knobs, but I recognized, you know, that it was going to be a good piece when I was able to refinish it. So scuffed that one right up. And like I said, it sat in my garage for a year and a half, two years um, before I found the right person for it and tackled it. So, yeah, that required, I sanded it down to bare bones just because it had the black paint on top mm-hmm. of the original finish um so yeah but it, it looked good when i when i sanded it down it was still a great sturdy piece which was nice yeah and the choice that you made for the hardware is is really nice when i look at the the old hardware uh, I mean, I, I certainly, obviously, it was designed to go with it. it has sort yeah. of i guess it sort of mimics bamboo the handle yeah. a little bit as well yeah. But but I think what you did just, I don't know, it just updated it. It brought it kind of, you know, um, you know, into 2020. Uh, yes, very... more contemporary. Yeah, yeah. It's and just... I love brass, but a lot of people still are not into the, the brass. Um, I love the fact that it's back for, you know, some people. <laughs> so I, oh, I, you know, I definitely wanted to put the brass and the um, crystal-like yeah. knobs on it. Yeah, just to give it a more of a current, um, trendy look. Yeah. And those were from um, Hickory Hardware. They were Midway Collection. Uh-huh. So um, just bought them all right up front and then kept them in there until all the pieces are done. So, yeah, they're, they're all done now. Although she found one more bamboo piece and she asked me if I would do that for her, too. So that's sitting in my garage. Oh, so we still got more to do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, you know, I was obviously pretty moved by the fact that you mentioned that you used the zebra paintbrushes. So, uh mm-hmm. Definitely 
definitely accolades to that as well. <laughs> you know, I, I love my zebra paintbrushes. My parents said, what would you like for Christmas? I said, zebra paintbrushes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Susan, you, I mean, you've just done such a great job on this piece. Uh, what did you do to the top of this dresser? Anything unique? So the top of the faux bamboo dressers is like a laminate, um, which I've had people reach out to me saying, I have a piece similar to that. What did you do? Because you can't really sand it down. So um, all I needed to do was just kind of scuff sand it and then definitely use primer. So the one coat of primer allowed the um, paint that I was using to stick. Mm -hmm. So it you know can look intimidating because it's like a yellowish type of laminate, um, which is surprising on kind of a higher end dresser. But that's how they were made, I think, back in the 60s and 70s. Um, so yeah, just scuff sand. And then primer, and it's adhered, the paint adhered very well, and we've had no issues since then. Yeah. Well, that's a great tip. Excellent. Very good to know that. Um, well, this looks great. I mean, I'm sure your friend is really happy with the results, and maybe an extra for her is to know that this uh, one in the Zebra Collective. Yes, I don't even think she knows. I'll have to yeah. <laughs> mention it to her. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, kinda, it's fun to have an award-winning piece in your home, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you did, a, you did a beautiful job, uh, Susan. We really love the work that you put into this. Uh, congratulations on winning third. Share your Instagram account for our listeners. Thank you very much. It's Little Lou Designs. Very good. Well, Danielle won second with her very unique buffet. You really worked this buffet over. Was this all your creative juices flowing or did you have a client yes. request on this, Danielle? It was. Um, wow. Well, it was kind of a collaboration of both of our ideas. So, um, you know, we're from the western part of Colorado and my client actually bought this piece in Las Vegas. Uh, she saw it in an antique store there and had it shipped to our area. And when she got it, she, she had it in her garage for about six months and she found my business and had decided that she really didn't like the style of the legs on it, the clawfoot legs and how um, wide it was for her space. And so I had suggested, Hey, well, we could rebuild the bottom of it. Um, let's see what we could order. That would be a good fit for your, your taste. And it's funny because this traditionally isn't my style of furniture, um, I'm more mid-century modern. And so when this mm -hmm. buffet came to me, I was like, okay, what can I do to put kind of my trademark on this? And so um, that's when the legs came into play. So we ended up ordering some raw wood legs for this. And I built a bottom um, platform underneath it and mm -hmm. um, just completely redesigned the whole look of it to make it look more square instead of um, very wide and bold. I mean, I never would have thought when, you know, you look at the original, look at the before on this as well. And you just, I, I never even would have went there with this, but it, <laughs> it is really, I mean, it's really nice. I mean, it, I, I love, you know, we talk about, you know, furniture finishing really is furniture design, designing furniture. And you've taken a piece and you've reworked it over and it's, it's really a unique and beautiful piece. It's really nice results. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a little intimidating trying to cut those legs off. And I thought, oh, man, if this doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to tell my client. <laughs> so I'm glad it worked out because it, uh, you know, being able to have the, the skill set of woodworking on, you know, in my business is, has really helped yeah. me with that area. So, yeah. Um, and then we really wanted to go with something kind of um, bolder on the legs so that they would stick out. So I'm really happy that it did. Um, as I was cleaning out the piece, you know, I, I gutted it when I first cut off the legs and we actually ended up finding the original key to the piece. And that was a surprise present to my client when she came to pick up her piece. Yeah. Now, when you cut the old legs off, did you like carefully lay them down somewhere in case you're <laughs> well, like, I have to put them back on? <laughs> it was funny when my customers came to drop it off. Her husband really liked the style of the legs. And so it was kind of a battle between husband and wife, you know, do we design it with new legs or with old legs? And so he asked, he requested that I keep the legs so that we could build those clawfoot legs into what he called a man table. So we did, we did keep them. So, so in the future, he wants me to build him an actual tabletop with the clawfoot legs for his man space. So, yeah. 
Oh, that's neat. Now, it's uh, it's nice shiny, which is good because the way this piece, you know, this the the massive like heaviness that it has to it. Mm-hmm. Is it is there like what did you do with top coat? Is it like a matte finish? Is it a wax? I did a what, matte. Yeah, I did a matte po- uh, poly on the entire piece, including the legs. I didn't want it to be too overwhelming because you're right, it is a very large, robust piece. Um, we wanted it to be kind of muted because a lot of the decorations she was putting on there was like shiny china and things like that and vases. And so we wanted it to kind of be more centered in the in the context of her space with her belongings. So mm-hmm. I do like the idea of leaving I use a matte top coat mostly on all of my pieces and so mm-hmm. um that just really brought out the wood features and the paint color in that situation yeah and you mentioned this earlier the the legs and the the front um I guess the doors the two uh, side doors those are all the same tones that yeah. looks really nice yeah, yeah. thank you I had to play around with the stain for a while. I uh, I actually ended up redoing the stain on the top and the legs. Gosh, about <laughs> three different <laughs> <Did you? laughs> times because I just I'm I'm very picky about the way that I wanted that to look, and we wanted we were going for really like a driftwood style uh-huh. leg and top, and so trying to match the top of a buffet with one st- one type of wood versus something you know the legs came in with raw wood, so we tried. Well, I tried my very best to just try to match it as best as I could, and I think we achieved that very well. So, I didn't see the original picture of the piece that you transformed until just right now, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It, now, inspiration. Yeah. For me, I usually <laughs> walk right by pieces like that just because I don't like that style, the legs. But now, created a whole new world of possibilities for furniture I after know. seeing how you cut the legs off. <laughs> you awesome. know, it's funny. I just did another piece that I cut the legs off of too because of this one. So it was That's a full great. China hutch that I just did. And that, I'm like, man, if I could cut legs off of something, what else can I cut? <laughs> so what did you use to cut the legs off? Just a regular saw or something electric? Um, It's actually an orbital saw. So it's like a flatter piece. Natalie from Array of Sunlight has turned me on to that. And I can actually ah. send you the link for that. So oh, that would be it's great. really easy for a lady to use because it's a little smaller. It's intimidating to try to use like a jigsaw or just like mm-hmm. hand saw pieces off. But yep. this, this tool is amazing. And I've used it on uh, several different things. Oh, great. Yeah. If you could um, send me that, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Great job, Danielle. Congratulations on winning second place. Share your Instagram account with our listeners. My account is Soulful Collections. Very good. Well, Aaron, you won first place with this dresser. You refinished in a unique red. In fact, I sort of chuckled when I read your post because you stated it was the most neutral shade of red you could find. (laughs) You're known for your neutrals, aren't you? I am, yes. I do not shy away from them often. And if they are, it's a very muted tone of whatever color I'm using. Well, they are beautiful. Your neutrals are very beautiful, but it is fun to to see that uh, you created this red because it is it is a really unique. Um, it's just a nice. It's a nice red. So good job on that. Tell us about this piece. Um, I found this one on marketplace. I've been having a tough time finding pieces actually, um, but this was a really simple refinish. Um, it was in really good shape. It's a solid oak dresser. Um, top was beautiful. I sanded that down just to give it a more matte finish. Um, just sealed the top with um, flat top coat from Chippy Barn. And then um, just a light sanding on the rest of it and painted. It was a super simple <laughs> refinish for once. Yeah. Now, those are that's new hardware on this piece, correct? It is, yes. And it's it's pretty small. I mean, it's a, it's a, it has a neat effect on, on this piece. Right. And it could serve multiple purposes, an oversized nightstand, a little buffet, even in a living room. And then it also is really good for multiple um, design styles. You could see it as like the classic country or the mm-hmm. boho, um, kind of how I have it staged. And then you could even see it as a pop in like a modern farmhouse house. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sundance Catalog, uh, but uh, it reminds me of a piece that would be in, in that uh, in that catalog. They do a lot of unique stuff and it, it uh, looks like it would fit in nicely. Um, now, now, when you're doing hardware, when you're choosing your hardware, did you know you were going to use this hardware once you started, or was it at the end of the process where you're pulling different 
types of hardware off and on and seeing what works? Um, I tried two different types on this one, but I just liked the simple. I preferred the simple on this one. Um, I usually always go simple on hardware, but if I go bold, like hardware is an easy, easy change. So if I did like, like gold, like the other dresser that she was talking about, she refinished in, it's so simple and inexpensive to change hardware down the road. Like if gold is not in at some point in time. Have you ever started with a piece of hardware? Like, you know, you, you love a piece of hardware and you're like, it's so cool. I want everything to evolve around the hardware. <laughs> um, not really for backwards? me because I'm, <laughs> I keep my hardware simple. I don't use a lot of original hardware. I don't like a lot of the extra detail. Um, my style is pretty classic modern farmhouse through and through. Yeah. Well, and uh, nice job on staging this too. It's, uh, Thank it's you. just a good balance. Erin, yeah. I have a question for you. This is Danielle. Sure. Hey, I want to ask you, what color is that that you used? This is a custom mix. I mixed, I went to a hardware store and I could not find like this muted burgundy that I wanted. So I had two different samples that we mixed together. So I, this is not my typical chippy barn um, house and canvas paint. It's just like a custom hardware store mix. <laughs> yeah, cool. I did one that was not similar in color, but it, that was um, like a muted, I called it the cinnamon toast crunch <laughs> color, but it's kind of that, has Cute. that red undertone to it. But I love this color. It's great. Yes. Everything that I looked at for paint samples, it was just too red for me. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that hard? Red it is, is a hard yes. one. Yes. And then when you color a whole dresser in the sample, like it just reads more red. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted a red dresser, but not be red. <laughs> Another comment, too. I'm looking at a close-up of the wood grain on the top, and it's beautiful. It's so pretty. Thank you. Gorgeous. Yes. This oak was gorgeous. I couldn't cover it all up. Well, really stunning work, Erin. Congratulations on winning first. Share your Instagram account with our listeners. Ainsley Allen Pierce. One of the things we pride ourselves on is producing quality application-specific brushes at an affordable price and making sure we put everything we can behind promoting you in this industry. With that said, we didn't want to overlook this holiday season and how we could create even more affordable kits and bundles that you could buy for yourselves or for your friends and families as gifts. We encourage you to make sure you sign up to receive our newsletter on our new EnjoyZebra.com website. We are running a series of Black Friday specials. Well, actually, we are introducing them on Thursday, so it's really Black Thursday specials. We have several lined up from now through December 17th. And we have ongoing specials listed that will be available until we run out of inventory. These are incredible deals, and each week it's a new deal for a limited time and limited quantity. Just to give you a sneak peek, we have holiday kits that include a canvas bag and a great holiday graphic with a holiday saying, that is, as well as several of our brushes. Have you heard of our package opening tool, the Open It? This is a mainstay for us as we have had it for a number of years and we just recently redesigned it. It opens all of those difficult to open packages easily and safely. Plus, it's a great kitchen drawer tool, a must have. We have a special right now that includes a three pack of the open it's in a strong vinyl pouch that has the saying holiday cheer gift opening gear. Make sure you check out these great gift items and stay tuned as we unveil a new deal each week. We're going to transition now into a panel discussion with the Zebra Collective winners. Our goal is to have a great discussion on topic or wherever the discussion leads between the three of you. I know our listening friends will enjoy. I think most furniture finishers would agree that at some point in their career, they concern themselves with becoming stagnant with their creativity. I would venture to say that that is of their own making as most people are more critical of themselves than others are. However, at the same time, that's what makes you guys good. So you keep pushing yourselves. With that in mind, our panel discussion today evolves around the discussion of finding inspiration to keep it fresh. And we may even throw in the topic of when to step out of your comfort zone. Who wants to throw their thoughts onto the table first? I will. Um, I think the appeal to buying refinished furniture is definitely its uniqueness. Um, So inspiration is one of the best skills a refinisher can have. Um, if you do find yourself getting stagnant and lacking motivate or inspiration, it's really hard to sell your pieces because it definitely translates whether you love them or not. 
And I think it's super important to stay true to who you are with also like challenging yourself, like you said, a little bit. It's definitely important to um, stay neutral enough to be able to sell it. I think some people get too creative. Um, I've done that in the past, and then it's really hard to sell. It needs to be able to live within different styles of people's homes, um, but also stand out from the basic box furniture store. Decor styles change so uh, often, so it's easy to stay fresh and motivated. Just the fresh wood, the raw wood has been such a trend right now. Um, But you can see it slowly transitioning away from that. A lot of people haven't been doing it as often. Um, I've been pulling back in like those natural oak tones because they're very popular with like the boho vibes. I just love changing it up so often. I find another, um, at least for myself, for trying to find inspiration for pieces that I have or for getting new pieces, I obviously Pinterest and Instagram, but I also, I think I mentioned this before in some other podcast, I get catalogs in the mail and love, you know, looking at the furniture and the trends, um, the direction the trends are going in and then get a lot of inspiration from that. I'm usually a little bit behind um, the times on what's trendy. So that helps me figure out what is in. And I try to get some of my ideas from high-end furniture catalogs and, you know, looking at pieces and and the colors and the styles and then trying to mimic or um, do something similar for pieces that I have in my garage or then going and looking for pieces that I think would take on that style or that I could modify to, I guess, fit with what the trend is. I think I'll add on to that too. Um, I, I also get a lot of magazines and catalogs, but one of one thing that I like to do is follow builder accounts, um, especially in my area, but follow, you know, interior designers and builders to get inspiration of what types of materials that they're using in newer homes or even remodeling homes. Um, that gives me an idea of what the color palette will look like or wood grains or tones that they're using in someone's home. Also, this is kind of a weird resource, but I look at Etsy a lot. Um, there's a lot of different artists in, uh, you know, all over the world that are selling their handmade goods. And I like to look at, you know, new modern artwork, um, what colors that they're using or what types of designs in those, what kinds of frames, even tapestries, blankets, anything like that. I kind of pull, you know, color palettes from those. And then Pinterest is a great resource. I look at, you know, color combinations of what would look good against, you know, like if somebody, if a client comes to me and has like a sage green wall, I have actual palettes on my Pinterest boards that show like what colors would look great with those, you know, and I do like a 20, you know, what's, what's the most um, popular color for 2020, or, you know, I do the Patone color for the color of the year for like 2021 and see like what is happening with those colors too. So I think it's just like staying fresh with the um, design because like your furniture is going to be a feature in someone's new home or, you know, existing home. And so I think it's important to follow a builder or interior designer too. And then for me, um, I actually use a lot of our natural landscape of Colorado. So like a lot of the earthy tones, a lot of greens, a lot of taupe. Um, we're seeing like a trend in a lot of like the earthy brown colors and kind of more moody colors. So that's where I draw inspiration from. I love your point of um, pulling from the builder's inspiration. That makes so much sense for me because I do interior design also. So I always need to be able to see my pieces, how it's going to be staged and um, decorated and go with everything else in one of these new houses that people are buying them for. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think it's important too to like be able to stage your your pieces with like new trendy items that are are for you know for staging like whether that be like the look of a raw wood bowl or you know different colors of like a book or modern lamps or whatever that might be because like does the interior design like changes so much that it's important like to showcase your piece with like how it would look in someone's home with those newer, like updated staged items. So, right. Right. You know, I've always wondered uh, because you guys do such a good job of staging and we've had conversations about this in previous podcasts about staging and how to stage effectively. And you you think about the props that you get, whether there's, you know, staging props from your home (laughs) or whether they're, you know, a stash of staging props that you pull out, but you know, how often when you're out, 
and about whether you're at an antique sale, you're at a consignment shop or a store and you buy something and you think, you know, this would be great as a staging item. How often did those staging items themselves become inspiration for your pieces? I love to steal the items before I do an install on a decorating job <laughs> and stage my furniture pieces with them so I can keep <laughs> I'm sure they know this because they follow me, but <laughs> it's not a big secret. <laughs> um, but it keeps all That's of my, <laughs> right? It keeps all of my decorations fresh and I get to pick whatever I want on someone else's budget and it fits into both. Uh, like I had mentioned before, you know, I pull a lot of inspiration from artwork. So yes, I would say a lot of the staging items that I find, I'll pull colors from those original, either whether that be like a vintage piece of art or something modern that you can buy on Etsy. It's That's a huge inspiration for me just to see like textures and colors. I also like to use um, live things from outside. Idaho has given me a whole new appreciation for using nature for <laughs> decorating and staging. All of the like dead look items, I just love like all the dried um, florals. Now it's a good time because it's Christmas tree season, so I can plop out a couple of little live Christmas trees for decorating mm -hmm. and some branches. <laughs> I'm excited for all this season for all the branches. I do that inside my house, too, just to decorate for the season. I will go outside through my yard, collect some clippings and branches and miscellaneous greenery yes. to bring it inside. And so that is convenient when you can do that for the staging, too. I usually just find all my staging decor items in my house. <laughs> I just shop around different rooms, going to the yeah. basement. Um, but I like the idea of maybe going to a um, flea market or uh, antique store and buying something to give me inspiration for my next piece of furniture. That's a good excuse to get out and <laughs> go to antiquing. Yeah, that just, that just legitimized all that extra shopping, right? <laughs> yes, of course. Yep, there you go. Do you guys actually worry about growing stagnant? I mean, is that something that you think about often? I can't find enough pieces for my next ideas right now, which is hopefully <laughs> a good problem, problem that won't go away. I'm always excited. And when I see a piece, I know what color it is before I even get it home and start working on it. Oh, that's, very, that's pretty neat. And usually it's white or beige, but... <laughs> <laughs> Or neutral red, right? Yes, or those deep greens. Yes, something neutral. I don't worry about getting stagnant. I think I'm a little bit um, different than a lot of the other artists on Instagram, furniture artists. I Most people tend to have a style, which I love. Like you see the picture of the piece of furniture, you know right away who it belongs to, which I think is wonderful. And I haven't developed that yet. I like to do just a bunch of different things. Um, I think it's to keep me interested and so I don't get bored and maybe so I don't get stagnant. But I think my, I, I, I do a, a great range of things, many different styles. Um, unless I, you know, I should probably look back and see, I don't feel like I have a trend of a tip, you know, particular type of furniture, but maybe I do. But I like to just keep it fresh and do all different styles. Although I don't do a lot of mid-century modern. I feel like I don't because that's not my taste. So I have a hard time doing that style. Although I love when other people do it and they do such a great job. Um, I've had a pair of end tables in mid-century modern style in my garage for the longest time. And I don't know what to do with them yet. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Too bad we weren't closer. I know. <laughs> I got them from a Habitat for Humanity restore and they were like $20 a piece and they were in amazing condition. So I said, I just, I need to grab these. Just because I know how, you know, how good they are. I just, they're just sitting in my garage still waiting for me to come up with some idea for you them. You guys just need to collaborate. <laughs> It'll come to you. Right? I know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, I mentioned early on uh, at the beginning of the panel discussion that we would potentially talk about venturing out of your comfort zone. Do you find that, you know, finding inspiration pushes you in your, out of your comfort zone? just because you're looking at things maybe that you're not, you know, to derive inspiration. So how does that, you know, finding inspiration push you into your comfort zone? Um, I think at the end of the day, your piece still needs to be sellable. So like you kind of need to rein the creativity in to some extent. I try to avoid inspiration from others, from other furniture furniture refinishers too much um comparison just kills creativity mm. so i try to like come up with fresh ideas myself although we're all inspired we all love the other artists on instagram and stuff like that but i try not to like 
purposefully copy. It's more like the inspiration of others. Um, but definitely finding your own inspiration is a true skill, like to keep it going. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there too. Um, you know, trying to be unique and come up with your own plan. It's nice to see, get inspiration from other refinishers or like ideas or techniques that they used on a piece. But, um, you know, one thing that will set you apart is being unique in your style and sticking to your particular style. Um, also agree with like doing something completely different, like really, really different. I mean, uh, a piece does need to be sellable. <laughs> right. so sometimes I get a little too wild and I'm like, well, this wallpaper is cool, but I don't, you know, and I've, I've heard this from other refinishers. They're like, well, you're very bold with your colors and your pieces. Like what, you know, but I mean, that's staying true to my style. Right. It can be fun um, too. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, you know, it can be kind of difficult sometimes because someone else doesn't see like your vision or like where you're heading with something. But then at the end of the the day, they're like, oh, okay, well, I see what you did there. That's cool. So, um, and it may just take but, a little yeah. longer to sell, but ultimately yeah. or eventually that's going to be that person that falls in love with it too and says, I've been right? looking for a piece just like that. <laughs> yep. And that's the appeal to buying a refinished piece. It's, it's its own. There's not another one like it. That's actually a good point too, Susan, that you made about, you know, just, you know, if you do something really unique and creative, just because it doesn't sell immediately doesn't mean it wasn't good. It just means it's got to take time to find the right customer for it. I think sometimes, you know, we tend yes. to gauge, you know, which it is a cool thing to, to produce a piece. And then it's like, you know, five minutes after you put it out on Instagram, you know, it's snatched and somebody's bought it. But uh, was that too cheap? <laughs> yeah, but you think- I know. I think that too. <laughs> I bet that is a struggle, isn't it? I mean, you're like, man, if I had just just a couple hundred dollars more. <laughs> <laughs> I have an interesting or a funny story. Um, I my first piece I ever did was for myself. Um, we had just purchased a um, beach house down at the Cape and I decided I was going to paint a bureau. So I got a really heavy duty, sturdy bureau and I think I used milk paint and I did a picture of a, um, a whale on the front of it and then wrote Falmouth where our beach house was and distressed it. And I put um, cleats as the drawer um, pulls, real cleats. It was so cute. Loved it. So it stayed in our house and we just sold our beach house about a month ago. Um, And a friend of my, another friend of mine is building right down in the same area and she lives in my town here and then also has a beach house down there. And she said, if you don't mind, I just want to ask about a piece that I saw that you did years ago and I've loved it from the day you did it. So she actually bought um, that same bureau from me just the other day. She's been wanting it for since when I did it maybe three or four years ago, I did not know this. So it has a nice new home now. But that piece, if I had tried to resell that, I think was going to be pretty hard because it said Falmouth on it. And so it was very specific to the town it was in and a whale and cleats. So it doesn't fit in a lot of homes. But I guess she had wanted it for years. I never knew. So it was so excited to be able to hand that piece over to her for her new house because we are now leaving the Cape. Um, so we didn't have a need for it. So that was that was a fun, which actually would have been challenging to sell it, but just so it worked out so perfectly that I was able to um, sell it to my friends. So. What a cute story. Yeah, that was a smooth transition. <laughs> it was, and it was nice. She was excited to get it, and I was excited that she wanted it, and I was able to, um, so it's going to have a new home in her right in her place. Nice. Yeah. It's so much fun when you find somebody that buys your piece that is just as creative as you were with it. <laughs> I had this black <laughs> um, gun cabinet that I repainted black and distressed and filled it with blankets, just a bunch of white, comfy, cozy linens, like all stacked up inside of it. Um, I recently had someone drive up from Salt Lake City that she just fell in love with it and had the most genius idea for it. Um, She's currently, she's a big Instagrammer and she's currently refinishing it. She's tiling the back and turning it into this like hot cocoa station for Christmas. It's so cute. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I've been like desperately waiting for her to finish because I'm like excited to see what it's going to look like. Is it wood? It's obviously wood, right? I always pictured gun cabinets like metal. I really, I've never seen one. Maybe it's kind of. It reminds me of a buffet. It's a similar style with like the hutch on top and the base. Um, But the interior was all wood, and I had not added shelves. I just kind of staged it as like a 
blanket cabinet with all the blankets stacked yeah. inside of it. So yep. I told her, I'm like, oh, I can add yeah. shelves for you. And she's like, nope, I have my own ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Does it yeah. have glass doors? Yep. The two front doors are panels with glass. Cool. You'll have to post it once she's finished. Yes, so I'm you can check it out. <laughs> You're talking about, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, I, I would think that oftentimes when you have client work, that that sometimes pushes you out of your comfort zone. Do you feel like that pushes you out of your comfort zone more than just doing spec work on your own? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh -huh. Definitely. I tried not to do commission work for a while because it would always make me nervous. I just like to do what I was planning on doing. And if people liked it, they would come look at it and buy it. Um, I felt like there was too much pressure to do custom pieces for people. Um, but then I was asked so many times, I said, all right, might as well give it a shot. But some of the requests that I've had are definitely not something I would ever do on my own. Um, someone asked me to take their grandmother's antique dresser and paint it a really, really bright kind of peacock turquoise color. And that's, um, that's way out of my comfort zone. But they were thrilled with the end result of it. Um, I was super nervous because it was so bright and I don't like bright colors, but they loved it. So that was one example where I was you know, it was way out of my comfort zone on that one. And then another um, woman I work with who's an interior, a local interior designer has asked me to do a few pieces for customers of hers, which ended up being fun, but also out of my comfort zone and a bit nerve wracking. They, one gentleman wanted, he was building a, she was building a home office for him um, since COVID and he wanted a desk. Actually, it was on my Instagram account. He wanted a desk but one that looks like, you know, it could tell a story, a desk that had been around for ages. And just like by looking at it, um, it would tell you a story. So there was a lot of pressure for me on that one because they wanted it all natural, you know, wood tones, but with a lot of character. So that was a challenge, but ended up being pretty fun. And he ended up loving it, which was <laughs> a bonus. I think a lot of the times when you do customs, you know, a, a, someone will come to you with a, an, a, an idea of, you know, what the interior of their house looks like and I had a customer um, about three months ago that she had a matching buffet and dining cabinet and she came to me this with this wild color it was a lime green and I'm thinking oh my gosh this is going to be really bad <laughs> so I think um, kind of going with your um, instinct of like just guiding them of the color direction that you want to go with a piece to kind of stay true to what your style is to showcase that. Um, we ended up going with a, a much lighter tone than what she came to me with. But I think also when you meet with clients for customs, trying to get a feel of, you know, also what the inside of their house looks like and not trying to let them really lead your design. That's why they come to you is to help with the design process. And so I think it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of persuade them one way or the other of, you know, maybe like this tone won't look so great with the wood grain here or, you know, what color matching different parts. I've had a customer that wanted to do like green on one side of a cabinet and then blue, like a blue line and then the other half of the cabinet be blue. And so I think it's just um, when a client comes to you with a custom, it is hard to try to persuade them just to stay kind of neutral with their piece. Well, you guys are phenomenal. Not only that you guys won some, uh, you know, you won these these awards on these pieces. You did wonderful work and it's always fun to hear about them. But also to be able to hear from you guys as experienced refinishers on different topics. And for this topic, finding inspiration, you know, that's something I think that a lot of people struggle with from time to time. And it's always fun and exciting to hear what other refinishers are doing and just really to build off of one another and to share and grow in that way. So we appreciate you all taking the time to share your thoughts and insights to help others. So yeah, I just would want to say congratulations. <laughs> Congrats to both of you for first and second place. Aw, thank you. Congratulations. Congrats to you too, guys. And always thanks, Lane, for everything you do for the painting community. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a joy though. We uh, we all enjoy uh, every opportunity we have to promote the industry and to be a part of it. You know, we always say this often, and we mean it. You know, every time, and that is that it's just such an incredible group of people, and it continues to grow, which is which is neat because that's helping everybody's business. And uh, so it's a, I think it's an industry that will be around for a long, long time. So we're excited to be a part of that. There's really no one that does anything like you, which is, you know, great. There's no other company like 
yours as far as what you do for the community. I was at my local paint store the other day and I asked them where their zebra brushes were. <laughs> and they said, we don't care. And I said, oh, you need to, you have to, right? <laughs> right. Well, we appreciate that very much. That's uh, encouraging. The whole zebra crew appreciates that tremendously. A special thank you to all three of you for joining us today and stay safe and stay well. Thank you. Thank you, Lane. Thank you. Thanks for having us. The Zebra Review Monthly Contest has been announced for December and the theme is candy canes. (laughs) That's right. You know, those sweet little red and white candies that make their way from Christmas season to Christmas season to Christmas season. (laughs) You know, they really are more about hanging on the tree than eating them. Have you guys ever had a few make it from season to season and all the Christmas decorations stored up in the attic? Somehow you think it's a fresh candy cane, you bite into it to find out it's petrified, although it still keeps the peppermint flavor. Okay, okay, enough of that. Well, we thought they are popular enough at Christmas and offer some cool red and white inspiration for our December contest. Any variations of reds, and or tones of whites can be used on your furniture pieces to enter. Use the hashtag the zebra review and you'll have your piece before a judging panel as they will choose three winners. The judging panel also includes guest judge Lindsay with Heirloom Furnishings. She was our first place winner for October. Great prizes await the winners from Milk Paint by Fusion, D Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paintbrushes. All pieces refinished from January 1st, 2020 to December 31st, 2020 are eligible for entry. We are so grateful for each of you, not only for listening to this podcast, of course, but also for using our paintbrushes. We love it when you tag us in your stories and posts showing what applications you're using Zebra Brushes on. And that is not just furniture refinishing, but also painting your homes. We will always make it our priority to highlight your furniture refinishing works of art on our Zebra Painting Instagram account and Facebook page. But we also want to make sure we highlight notable home projects as well. If you have used your Zebra Paintbrush on a home project and you want us to check it out, make sure you tag your pieces with Zebra Inspo. That's hashtag Zebra Inspo. Z-I-B-R-A-I-N-S-P-O. We would love for many more people to discover the Zebra Before and After podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast directory. It really does make a huge difference in the rankings. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Finishing podcast. Today's episode is also featured on the zebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's zebra with an I blog.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing.